0: The Ninja Rob Podcast with Marco Pirazzo and Tim Carpenter, the podcast for the true martial artist.
1: I'd like to start the show off with an official apology. About the fritter? No, oh. not even a little bit. To Henner Gracie, Brian Ortega, and his team. I know they're avid listeners. I, I misspoke last week. You had your facts wrong? I had my facts wrong.
0: Where did you get your facts that they had split up?
1: So sometimes I jump to conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> so I jump no. to a conclusion. So Ortega has changed part of his team. His striking coach, who he's been with since he's five years old, apparently he's gotten rid of and he's gotten a new striking coach. Oh, okay. He has not gotten rid of his, uh, his jiu-jitsu team. So uh, Henner, Huron, Horian, Helio, Hickson, Kron, Tim
0: and I are sorry. I'm not – I did nothing to do with it. You're not sorry? No. Okay. I'm not sorry that you made a mistake. <laughs> Why would I be sorry? Uh,
1: the other thing I'd like to uh, bring up is some some injury reports. Dan Pacific is back after Tim viciously injured him with a chin to the eyeball, causing Dan to have a scratched cornea,
0: corneal abrasion,
1: corneal abrasion.
0: We've all had, we've all been there.
1: Yeah, it's a terrible injury. It's it's a painful injury. It's not a terrible. Yeah, injury. yeah it's not bad. It's just yeah. A couple of days later, you, you feel. But while you're going through it, it might be one of the worst injuries you could go through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, you know, some people thought you you might have done it on purpose that you you jammed your. I chin definitely
0: in- put my chin in his eye for on purpose. Oh, to injure him. Not to injure. Definitely didn't. I never try to injure somebody.
1: Okay.
0: I told. I texted him. Like that. I I definitely was trying to make you uncomfortable. I didn't want to like scratch your cornea. I normally I was betting on his eye being closed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Dan's fault. I mean, that's that's what how I that's how I sleep at night. <laughs> You know, it's the only way I can sleep at night knowing that I hurt somebody. I, gotcha. All right, all right. Um, so, so Dan's back. Uh, nah, he's back.
1: He's good. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was training yesterday. I uh, a bit bit of a neck strain. Yeah, yeah. fighting out of a triangle yesterday. I'd like to fault Robert Lamazny on that you get one. Out though? I did not get tapped with it. I did all right, escape good. the triangle. Exactly. No matter. <laughs> then I then I was sitting at the desk the rest of the day, and Devin comes over. Hey, Mister Lazy. I'm like, my <laughs> fucking neck is killing me right now.
0: <laughs> um, you know, Jim Kelly. Yes. He I think he wrote like a book or like an ebook or something on neck injury and neck injury prevention and training your neck. Okay. Um, but he texted me the other day he's gonna be in town in December. He wants to come on the podcast. Let's do it. We can talk about next stuff.
1: Next stuff and his life in Iowa. Yeah. He's he's had an interesting life.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Or
1: does have an interesting life.
0: Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah.
1: (laughs) As much as he could be alive. So this is the Ninja Rob Podcast. I'm Marco Perazzo. With my friend and equal host,
0: (laughs) Tim Carpenter.
1: We're also here with a uncredited third host who's staying quiet. I'm chilling.
2: (laughs) I'm chilling. But you know, which dude is is Dan? Which one is that? Dan Pacific. He's a black belt. Um, Is that the dude that beat my ass at the end of the? Was did he take it out on me? Probably. He's got like a hair on the top, shaved on the sides. yeah, Yeah,
1: he's handsome. This dude fucked me up. Handsome Dan. Handsome Dan. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's good at jiu-jitsu and known for being handsome. Those are two, th- two things that he's good at.
2: Yeah. He saw a weakness in me. He said, Dev, you trying to go? Do <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you like the way we've almost forced Dev to stay now that we let people, like, we get really good reports when he's on the show? Yeah. So yeah. I, I, the, the, the report I got is, you know, it's really nice. Dev is like the urban guy. Tim is the white suburban guy, and I'm I straddle both
2: worlds. That would be
0: that would be an interesting podcast. The, the urban uh,
1: guy and the white
0: supremacist. Yeah. yeah.
1: Not if this is a white
2: supremacist
0: dude knows how to fight better than the black dude. No, that's no, not cool. I mean, as long as violence never came into it. Well, they,
1: it could be like uh, peace through uh, assured. What is it? Mutual, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. That's <laughs> I heard it
0: described as Marcos, the NPR guy. Okay. Tim is Howard Stern. And then Dev is like the uh the urban guy. I don't okay. know I don't know I, an I, I urban <laughs> radio station.
1: <laughs> He's the Charlemagne. Charlemagne. How did you yes. say
2: that mutually Assured
1: destruction? That's a real thing. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, do, real. Why do, like, do you, that's a
2: real, real thing. Why
1: like, why do you think that Russia and the United States never fired missiles yeah, at each yeah. other? Yeah. It's yeah. like
2: that in the hood every day. It's like you know if you do this, it's a rap for you, right? Right. right. Uh, or for, for or, for, or either. Right? Yeah, 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 so it's yeah, just yeah. like uh, we just look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I
0: started watching that uh Devil Inside Devil Beside Me, was that? Yes. Devil Next Door. The
1: Devil Next Door, yeah.
0: It's crazy. I think I, I How many episodes are you in too? Well, I watched two and then I fell asleep at the third. But fascinating. Is it on ID? Netflix. I Netflix. It's Ooh. about this uh
1: Ukrainian guy.
0: Ukrainian guy that worked at the Ford in Cleveland. Yeah,
1: yeah, Ford plant in Cleveland. He was yeah. like,
0: lived there for like 30 years, 40 After years. After World War II, he came to the United and States. And then the Israeli government comes and grabs him because they said he was a Nazi war criminal. And they extradited him from the U.S. They, they, yeah, they say he's strip him Ivan, of citizenship.
1: Ivan the Terrible at this at the worst concentration camp in the world called Treblinka.
0: But it's really good at like making you think, like, oh, he's the guy. And then it's like, oh, maybe he's not. Or, or
1: he's... Y- i told you and like the, the crate
0: the thing that makes me doubt it was the uh the fact that the only evidence they have came from the kgb so i knew
1: the ending mm-hmm. and i still watched all five episodes to see how they got
0: to that ending yeah i don't want to see the i don't want to know the ending
1: yeah the, I, it's it's yeah, marco
2: fe- was just tempted to
0: just
1: uh, <laughs> <know>. like yeah <laughs> <laughs> he was a ghost the whole time yeah.
0: no it's good though
1: very good yeah so if, you, if you're watching anything on netflix Watch this, The Devil Next Door. Very good, uh, very good documentary. Speaking of The Devil Next Door, as I look at my friend Tim Carpenter, <laughs> <laughs> 26 episodes. This is our 26th
0: episode. 26 Deep.
1: 26 Deep. They doubted us.
0: Yeah, they didn't think we could do it.
1: They didn't think that we could do it. And here and we are. He, here we are. We're one of the top podcasts in South Jersey and West Are we?
2: I don't know. Well, no, I, I, that could be possible
1: <laughs> in in Camden County. Yeah, right? <laughs> we're number one in Maple Shade.
0: I got some. uh I had a couple people at the tournament talking about talking to me about the podcast. Just like not even, even people I didn't know.
1: That's the thing. So not connected to What did uh, yeah. what did they say? Hey, great podcast.
0: Yeah, nice. Yeah, I love the podcast.
1: Keep it up. Keep yeah. whoever you are. We thank you. Yeah, come um, come to the Ninja Rob seminar. So as a thank you. To all of our listeners, as a way to say, again, thank you, we are doing our seminar on Sunday the 17th, 10.30 to noon, myself and Tim will be teaching it, Devin will be there uh, giving a lesson on uh, hemorrhoid repair, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we will be rolling literally right into open mat starting at noon, So, and Tim and I will be bringing treats for everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I'll just I'll I'll uh I'll, I'll get the money from petty cash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to talk about because this is our this is a very uh, inauspicious or auspicious occasion whatever this is, a, this is a big moment for us in the podcast mm-hmm. Tw- number twenty six halfway halfway to fifty two <laughs> 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 the start of the podcast. We would have never had this podcast, would have never gotten off the ground if not for jujitsu, right. specifically a place called Maxercise. Right. Right. That in this area, and it could have started in other ways later, but likely later, not before. But most of the mixed martial arts in this area can give its thanks to Steve Maxwell, Maxercise, and the, the school that was started there.
0: Mm-hmm. Right still there. It's just not Steve Maxwell anymore.
1: And is it even still called
0: Maxercise? I believe so, yeah. Yeah,
1: because I know they moved a couple times, but it was, you know... Still,
0: I'm pretty sure it's still Maxercise.
1: And Seth Daniels, who runs Fight to Win, says that he thinks that Philadelphia has the, has the best jiu-jitsu area or culture. I don't, I don't want to... Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the genesis of how modern mixed martial arts jiu-jitsu started here in Philadelphia. And, and not to bang on the Brazilians... But, yeah, there's there's not a lot of Brazilians around here running schools. Right. Right? And I think, you know, being that Philadelphia is the cradle of liberty is one of those ideas that, you know, like Philadelphia Jiu-Jitsu, Philadelphia Muay Thai is, you know, like stands on its own. And, it's you know, it doesn't kind of get run by other people. Yeah. Because
0: there's, there's really no California. There's a lot of Gracies. Yes. And a lot and of New, Brazilians. New York, you have Enzo Gracies and Marcelo, like the, all the big – Meows. Philly, there's, there's not really any of that. There's, I mean, there is a Gracie school here, but they're not like a major. Right, there's Daniel. They're, they're newer. I mean,
1: and, and he came later.
0: Right, and even Henzo had a school here
1: that didn't do well.
0: Late '90s, closed down. And at the bourse and that didn't, didn't. And that was a couple long.
1: blocks from Maxercise, yeah. right down the street. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and Maxercise uh, outlasted it, which is I thought was surprising.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I went over and looked at the school, and it was it wasn't very inviting. Like when yeah. I popped my head in, you know, I I had had this idea that. You know, like, we're just boys from doing jiu-jitsu. I didn't realize that there was kind of the politics of jiu-jitsu at the time.
0: Yeah, in Philadelphia for sure, um, almost everybody has some connection to Maxercise.
1: One way, another, you know, like first degree, second, like uh, Devin was saying last week, either you're a son, a grandson, a great-grandson of of somebody. Like, I can't think of too many places
0: that aren't. There's a couple guys that have, like, you know, they might have moved from another state and come here and open up schools. But um, I can't. I mean, I can't think of any. else.
1: And, and major players. Yeah, right. you know. So, and it was. It's really interesting because it. It you could see the the level of independence that most of the schools carry. Even the schools that are affiliated with, you know, other teams still have a strong sense of identity. Like my school is affiliated with balance. Your school is affiliated with balance, but mm-hmm. that's not what identifies our schools. I don't right. think. Right. Right. You know, it it helps identify us. This is where we as instructors get our uh, promotions and we get our training, but our students aren't uh, almost like a forced
0: connection to our instructors. I always think it's weird when people sort of like jump affiliations.
1: Okay.
0: Even though it's like a guy will be like uh, you know, Tenzo Gracie one day, then it's Solo Habera the next day, and then it's like Marcelo Garcia. Like what guy, could be so bad about what was so bad about Henzo? Not just that, but, like, what do you need any affiliation for? Well, other, other than to get your own promotion. And then I think that should come from your original instructor. If you have a so good connection with them, right? Yeah, I just think it's it's a strange thing to just, like, You, I guess I'm assuming you're paying a fee to join their association.
1: Right. Well, I think we're, you know, we're...
0: And just getting the...
1: We're grandfathered into whatever we're grandfathered into. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, some people start feeling some kind of way in their association and their affiliation if they're not getting enough attention, mm-hmm. if they're if they don't have uh, the independent streak, say like that you and I have. It's like I, man, Phil wants to come over to my school. He could come over whenever he wants. If he never shows up, that doesn't hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, because we're doing what we need to do with him there or without him there. Right. You know, it doesn't change any of of what we have to do. And I think
0: some yeah, people, it, like if if you were to ask him, he'd be there one hundred percent. I mean, yeah. but it's not like. There's no expectation of like well he needs to come here and 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 whatever. I know he's busy
1: in Aruba sure, yeah. on the beach <laughs> <laughs> no it but up. but you know people are busy right you got you know family lives business you know all, all this other stuff but uh, I I think that you're right it it is usually kind of odd like the can, the why would I change my affiliation from Balance I don't understand like what what would be something so terrible about the affiliation or not fulfilling that would make me change it? I don't know. Yeah. What? You know, like, what, what would you see as some of the reasons? Like, I've, I see this one school that I believe was affiliated with in succession, like, Tack Team, solo, now Daniel Gracie, within the span of f- four <laughs> and a half, like, <laughs> right. f- four years. That's
0: very strange.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and the guy seems like a nice enough guy, but what is he chasing? No, I, I think it was Atos, Tack Team, uh, oh, nice. Salo. And now Daniel Gracie. So, what, what is it that that this team, school, or person is chasing?
0: Yeah, I can't. I I cannot put my head in that person's position. Right. To understand what what you would get out of what weren't the other people doing that you expect these new people to do? Right. Because you're you going to get like, good instruction. Name, name recognition is going to bring you more business. I don't know.
1: I, like what brand new beginner knows wh- who any of those four are except for Daniel Gracie? Maybe. That's right. right? I
0: mean, there's not enough. Like jujitsu nerds in the world to like, uh, like if they're like, oh, that's auto school, I want to go there. Un- unless you're in like
1: Southern California, right? Yeah, you, you know where. De- uh, not de- uh, but the
0: average student; they just want to
1: learn, work out,
0: meet meet people, have fun. yeah, have so
1: fun. You know, yeah. Uh, that's I had, I had somebody say, yeah, I just want to come, I want to meet people. Like I hadn't heard that in a long time. Yeah, I was like, you know, I just want to be somewhere, and
0: yeah, that's I, that's. I mean, not just meeting people, but like the amount of people that come in looking for like. I want to join a world class competition team and be promoted under a ten time world champion. Right. That's there's maybe one of those people out of a hundred. And know? and I man, but I ninety nine are like you said. They just want to like they just get in shape.
1: Right. Like I'm going to use something. The guy that really helps me a lot at the school is Bill Bell. Mm-hmm. I won a hundred Bill Bells at yeah. my school. The guy's like a professional. He's a professional at what he does, like for his living, but also like super dedicated to helping me with the kids class teaching mm-hmm. beginners and his own training mm-hmm. but man not- he gets
0: it he understands it like one of the ways that you really can throw yourself and this kind of leads into like the other questions we have later um is like you you don't just show up and take class and then train and then leave it's like it becomes part of your life like you you learn it you study it on your own you help other people like helping other people learn it helps you learn it right you know what I mean that's I think one of the um, the most important things that a lot of people miss out on,
1: right? But also I think he's in a he's in a headspace that he wants to be as as good as he can at jiu-jitsu, and if level like uh, titles are on the horizon for him, but that's not what he's chasing, mm-hmm. right? He's he's chasing the, the mastery. He's chasing like man, I want dudes like that that the 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 titles come through being a martial artist, not because th- their only goal is being a champion. And sometimes I think that's what you'll see affiliation switches because if you're a high-level competitor, that might make sense. Keenan Cornelius going from one team to another to another to another to uh, hopefully reach certain goals made more sense. I remember when Margarita was making his run uh, at being a multiple-time world champion. I think he had attended four or five different teams or schools Mm -hmm. uh, during that run. So that's great for him but he's probably not the kind of guy i want at my school
0: yeah agreed
1: (laughs) put the brakes on everything no no
0: offense to uh margarita
1: no no he's awesome i'd love to have him at my school Uh, a guy like margarita i didn't say i didn't say (laughs) margarita but yeah he was still one of my favorite jiu-jitsu people of all time to watch
0: who's your number one
1: to watch Gee or no Gi?
0: Gee? gee, We'll do both. Gi, no gee.
1: That's a tough one. I, I still go back to Margarita. Yeah? Yeah. I, I really, really good takedowns, good sweeps. Submit. He, he was the guy that really put the submissions back in mm-hmm. Gi Jiu-Jitsu back when people were winning by advantages and yeah. points, and he, had, he was submitting guys that maybe hadn't been submitted in a very long time or never submitted.
0: Yeah, he, he changed, he, I think he really changed the game.
1: He, he did. You know, and he was he was a bit of a nut, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, he he played with that aggressiveness, mm-hmm. you know, and he 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 got us to guys like um, uh, the guys that we have now. That yeah. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. failing for for some names, but uh, Jacare is is the next next example. But yeah, if if you want to go and watch a guy, Fernando Pontes, Margarita, he does have one match versus my host. Equal partner host here, I'll Tim Tim Carpenter. I don't even know if that one's up there. but It's somewhere. It was a grappler's quest in Maple Shade, wasn't it? Did you compete against him in Maple Shade? Yeah. 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 We had Margarita here in Maple Shade. So, yeah. So, with the Gi, I would say Margarita. Without the Gi, my favorite to watch, Gary Tonin. Really? Yeah. Hmm. There's never a match that that guy's in that's not exciting. I've never seen him have a boring match. I may not like, like some of the stuff that he does, Right. always exciting to watch yeah it's true how about you Gi and No who are your two favorites Gi Hodger another guy you've had a match against yeah how'd that one go
0: not too good okay it was my f- second match at Black Belt okay it was Hodger Gracie um No hmm.
1: interesting you know this podcast doesn't get edited so the, the more you wait yeah, the, no. the, the more mean, people on, the man. more don't, people going to like, like you didn't wait <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was oh, yeah. a dead air when you were thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like what he likes to do. He likes to... Get at it first. He he jumps ahead. He gets... He, he, I get in front always of Always a preemptive 100%. strike. 100%. He, he Rather than... He's going to make sure that nobody realizes his...
2: <laughs>
0: draws attention away from the dead air that he created by accusing me... But it was
2: smooth, though. <laughs> yes. He's so good at it. It was, yeah. it was. It was. It was very. Spooky. Just so
1: we know, that was me spitting water <laughs> all over the floor. Fuck, I need a paper towel yeah. in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! Uh-oh. I got water all over myself. Hey, uh, at,
0: guilty. at least you didn't damage the mics. Guilty. I definitely <laughs> didn't want to. Five
1: hundred dollars. I don't want to have to come out of pocket on. Uh, guilty is charged.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Nogi, my favorite guy to watch is. Uh, Uh, I I don't
1: even.
2: (laughs) I don't don't He's so scared.
1: I'll say. I'll just. He's so
0: afraid of dead air. Hodger Gracie.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's fair enough.
0: He's. I think the only guy to win ADCC by submitting everyone. I think he submitted everyone in his weight class and the absolute.
1: Yeah. Uh, No. I mean, like you can't go wrong watching that guy. Yeah. And there's. And also,
0: just an example of like, it's just. It's all basic. There's just take it back and choke you.
1: That there's jujitsu. Everybody could do.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, or should be able that. to do he's Got very long. He's a, he's got a, he's a very, uh, abnormally shaped person. Yeah. Just very long limbs. Like a lot of his stuff. Um, That's a
1: pot calling the kettle on that one.
0: I'm not saying I'm not, I'm just saying he, his style is not necessarily for everyone. Not everyone can do clothes guard. Okay. To the level that he can do it.
1: That's true. Oh man, I got water all over everything. It's fucking great. <laughs> Thankfully it's gonna, it's gonna go away. Uh, but yeah, Philadelphia is the spot in the United States, I think, that has the the, the highest level of independence for jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu independence. Jiu-jitsu independence. It's like because it. we're the cradle of liberty. You think so? We are.
0: What does that mean, we're the cradle of liberty? It's
1: where, it's, it's where the the Declaration of Independence was signed.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes us the cradle of liberty. Yes, it does. Still to this day. To this day,
1: we are the cradle of liberty. So we have one question this week. We're going to hop right into it okay? because I don't know if I could breathe right now with all this water in my, in my lungs. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. I have several questions about the professional side of the martial arts. So we'll, we'll take these each individually. One, do either of you currently do any work outside of the martial arts to supplement your income? If yes, would you be willing to tell us what you do? Mr. Carpenter.
0: No. You don't do Uh, No, I don't i don't think i do i can't not that i can think of so, so i definitely don't have anything regular that i do that supplements my income outside of martial arts
1: so i I do a couple i did a couple things so what have you done to supplement your so when energy? i was
0: when i was fighting because you don't really make much money in fighting and when you do it's it's usually small amounts and it's pretty sporadic so i had a regular job as a bouncer doing security and then i would take other like security jobs when they came up if i could um but uh other than that all i've ever done is either fighting or teaching i've been the only professionally like you've professionally like yeah so it's like those two things um i mean i've i did personal training when i was younger but this was all like just uh supplementing my income so i could train so i could fight but since i've stopped fighting i haven't done anything anything else other than teach
1: Do you teach privates
0: a little bit here and there yeah i have like two regular privates a week um So
1: that's it. All right. So for me, I yes, I do some things outside of the martial arts, but only because the martial arts have given me the opportunity to do these things. Mm -hmm. I do um, consulting work for oddly an Italian magnetics company, which has gotten me to go. It's uh, they flew me out to Italy and uh, out to Michigan to do some work with them. But that's because of the relationship that we have with the CEO Brian Palacow, right? And I was just uh, hellfish brown belt, hellfish brown belt, right? And he's a, he's a dear friend, but also, uh, he was having some issues and I offered some help much like I would offer anybody help if they needed, uh, to get a tire. Well, I probably wouldn't help you get a tire change. I'd tell you to call AAA, but if there was something I didn't have to get my hands dirty and I could help you with, I'd be more than happy to help. And he's like, Hey, would you do this for me on a regular basis? And I wasn't really interested in it. And then at one point his secretary calls me and says, where do I send these checks? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, well, here's the address. I'm like, I'm not going to turn it down. And it's been a really good relationship with this, with the team in Italy where we work on different aspects of the company's marketing. They got to travel there. They got to travel there. So uh, we do marketing, different workflows, setting up uh, process automations for the, for the sales team, that, that kind of stuff. That's been fun, rewarding. And, you know, uh, Brian's been great, a good friend, but also real easy to work with and, I I tell you the story, like, I thought it was all BS.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, yeah, this guy doesn't really run this big company. And then I'm like, all right, I'm getting these checks. And he's like, all right, we're going to go to Italy. And I'm like, I'm really not going to Italy. <laughs> I've been at the airport, and I'm like, ah, something weird is going to happen. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, make sure you you know, you know, save all your receipts. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then we get on, and he's in first class. I'm in business. Low this class. <laughs> <much right>? Low <laughs> class. <laughs> and I'm still thinking, like, we're going to this, I'm going to get thrown off this plane at some point. Oddly, a woman dies on the flight over. So we had to stop in like Banff. What? uh, Canada. Yeah. A woman had, had some sort of surgery and they, yeah, they they took a corpse off the plane. That's why we were like hours late to Italy. And uh, then we get to Italy and I'm like, all right, well, this is still BS. And then we get to the, the manufacturing plant and the offices and, you know, you, you think, you know, people and then I'm, you know, I'm doing work in the office and I'm, listening to him just dress down these other executives in, in the company through what felt like a six to eight inch concrete wall and he's screaming at people and you know it was it was awesome he's,
2: you know so, so you're like an ultimate skeptic because you're on the flight to Italy <laughs> and you're still like this shit is a fraud he thinks it's like uh, you ever see
0: Seinfeld with George Costanza when he goes to the Hamptons with the, his uh, parents in law no, so, no 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 oh, okay. the, then the reference is lost <laughs> Don't worry about it. Kai, Kai Cern would get it.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've seen that episode. So yeah, I, I, up, up until that point that I'm like, oh, I guess this is real. Yeah, so that, w- that was cool. I do work- it was all
0: staged. He it was, said
1: all, yeah, out. exactly. Yeah, so, it was a giant, it's a long con. <laughs> <laughs> Those checks haven't bounced yet. And then I do work for uh, a company here in Philly uh, for some web stuff. Sometimes uh, they, they have me come in and, and do some consulting. Brazzers? for some com- What's that? Browsers? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't think they're based out of Philly. A company called OmCom. Uh, so I do that on a regular basis. The OMCOM stuff doesn't happen an awful lot. When my wife was working and she lost her job, uh, cause the, she worked at the four seasons, the four seasons closed down. I was doing Uber and Lyft for a little while just to supplement, you know, the income that we lost from her. And that was awful. Cause I hate driving. And I was like, driving in the morning and at night. And it was just, it was just terrible. The people were nice and you know, you do what you have to do to, to, to keep your family going and moving. So,
0: yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, uh, The stuff you have kind of, you did like Uber Lyft and you hated it, but then you like fall into these other things that like come through relationships you build through jujitsu. Right. You know what I mean? That's, I was talking to one of my uh, guys. He's like a young guy. He's like trying to like figure out what he wants to do and he has no idea what he wants to do. So I was like, you just got to like, you know, throw yourself into something and you'll see things kind of, things will happen for you once you put yourself in a situation for things to happen for you. You know? Like I've had, Lots of just by like putting myself into fighting, I had opportunities come up where I was like getting paid to be sparring partners, getting paid to travel, getting paid to train. Um, that would not have happened if I hadn't put myself in a position and just said, like, Hey, like I, I started off, I was just like, Hey, um, if he needs a sparring partner, I'll, I'll come down and train. Right. You're just then, offering help. Right. And also wanting to get sparring. Right. You know what mm. I mean? So I was getting getting stuff out of it too. But eventually I ended up getting um paid getting travel paid for um and just great training at a bunch of
2: different gyms it's like that with everything too like you know if you uh you know i tell my girl all the time like oh i have to force myself to go out to be at certain events and things like that because i'm not going to meet anybody new in this studio you know just sitting around here you go out to different events you go out to different stuff it's the same principle yeah. you're going to link with more people and get into more circles
1: but being in the in a jujitsu school or a martial arts school you start becoming the guy that's known for that thing right like at my school you're the creative guy like everybody asks hey I, I, so they i'm the guy that links people right They're like hey marco do you have this guy yeah call right. him you know this that and the other do you need graphic design do you need photography do you need a plumber do you need an electrician you need an auto body guy. You need a lawyer. There's right. usually, you know, and, and when you become that guy, especially the jujitsu school, all I need to say is, Devin's one of my guys. He's a jujitsu guy to another jujitsu guy, and it gives them a level of trust for who you are. Yeah, you vouched for it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, like I great... just
2: instantly hired Rich's company to do the plumbing stuff. Like right. it's just instant. Yeah, it's a like it's
0: a, another good. If you own a small business, you should train jujitsu
2: because I... you
0: get. You'll get customers, referral business and for sure. Not just customers, but you'll get like relationships with people that'll mm-hmm. keep coming back, you know, and refer you to other people. Because great-
1: think about what we do, right? We're as the, we simulate violence on each other. So how much do we Some need of us to trust just each? Just
0: actually inflict violence on each other. <laughs> we don't even simulate it. Yeah, it's just violence.
1: But, but how much how much trust do we need to have in our in our training partner, right? That right. that that I'm willing to say, all right, man, like this tap means something and you got to let go when I do it and and vice versa. So if I have that level of trust with you in this arena, so to speak, then man, you're, we're
2: friends for life now. Like I, It's crazy. I think it's beyond the trust factor. I, when do you walk in like, like an open mat, right? Mm-hmm. In what other walk of life do you walk into a place, look around the room, lock eyes with a random guy, Nod to him, walk up to him, and then you're choking each other and literally <laughs> yeah. like sweating all over each other. So by the end, it's like you don't I don't have that much physical contact with my best friends, Yeah. right? Yeah. So after that, it's kind of like I'm cool with yeah. this dude, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. yeah, no, for sure. But mm-hmm. it, it like it's you a say, kind it's thing
0: a- like when uh, it almost always happens after like when you're a kid, you get in a fight. After it's over, it's like you guys usually end up, if not becoming friends, there's a level of respect. And like guys do. Yeah. 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 Women, yeah. Women, yeah. women don't. Women my girl carry. still yeah. wants to fight yeah. somebody from my, like sixth saying, grade. Yeah. My best friend. I can only from, speak from the
1: male. From like kindergarten on Andy Spagnola, He's no longer with us, but he, he and I got into a fist fight. I punched him in the stomach. And it, it, as it, it was almost as if as the punch landed, I turned and ran. Right. Hmm. I go running. 15 minutes later, he's knocking at my door. I'm like, dad, don't answer. I Like I was like scared. And he's like, hey, do you want to come out and play? Do yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was like completely over. <laughs> he and we wasn't were, said, no. <laughs> no, no, he was not. No, no, no. no. And we were, you know, we were thick as thieves up until high school. And, you know, but yes, agreed that this, you know, physical acts against each other. I could see it with my daughter and Colin, Steve's kid. Mm. Like she body slammed him on the concrete <laughs> yesterday. We were outside getting lunch, and they were, they didn't even get mad at each other. I'm like, if Tim body slammed me on the concrete, I'd be so <laughs> fucking pissed right now. But they were just like completely fired with. You get over it though. <laughs> Hopefully, if I didn't have like some <laughs> fractures, like that poor woman at Popeyes. Did you yeah. see
0: that? What girl got? Uh, lady got choke slammed outside of Popeyes. I didn't even know if it was
1: choke slam. Looked like just like a a a, bear, a body Barehood? lock. Yeah. yeah. So supposedly she had said some uh, racial slurs inside the store as she was well, a blonde-haired woman. Yeah. A, a brown gentleman comes out
0: behind her. I think it was a white-haired old lady. <laughs> I'd say, I, I don't think she was a blonde. Woman. I, I think she think was, was
1: a younger blonde-haired lady. Uh, I don't think. I think uh, it was an
0: older woman. But
1: <clears throat> you would say that.
0: <laughs> why? Moving on. <laughs> what are
2: you implying?
1: I don't know, man.
2: I'm not in it. So what happens? But well, I guess
0: like a, one of the employees like ran out behind her, picked her up, and dumped her on her head.
1: It's going to be this woman's biggest payday. It's the best body slam that could have ever happened to yeah, this lady. Wow. Because Popeyes is going to come out of pocket big for her. They have to, mm. right? No matter what she said, right? The, get and if she's whatever she said wrong, can't get behind it. Getting body slammed on the concrete.
0: Well, there's as two, you, there's two in you know breaking of social rules. She said a word you shouldn't say, right? And he did something that. Like we said last week, guys shouldn't do to women. Yep. Right? You know what I mean. So it's right. like there's two two social boundaries have been shattered.
1: Right. But he's not going to get paid. No, based he's going to end up paying. He's, he's going to. Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, Popeyes has really been in the news lately. The sandwich is back. Have you, any Any of us tried the sandwich?
2: I oh have. wow. So listen, woman, fifty five body slammed at Popeyes, and this this dude looks like he can body slam people. She's she's so, a young
0: a young woman. That's not young.
2: She's
1: when you're forty seven years old, fifty five is not old.
0: If you look at life, at, let's say you live. Ideally, you live to be a hundred. Most people don't.
2: Right?
0: I'll take eighty-five. Okay, eighty-five. She's closer to eighty-five than she is to one. Okay. And this dude She's, looks pretty big.
2: He's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the he big. was
1: he wasn't little.
0: <laughs>
2: this yeah. is crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He, she she caught
2: a good a good body slam for whatever whatever she said, but she and Tim is also correct. It is white gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So just
0: so you know, I'm not apologizing to you for that one. You don't need to. I, I mean. They heard it. They don't.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Moving on to question number two. After the body slam, do you want to read that one?
0: Yeah. How does, how does someone become a subject matter expert? Is it solely a matter of time and experience? If not, can you recommend specific study materials?
1: You first. All right. So I think it's it's uh, there's a few ways that you can become a subject matter expert real world experience is one and that mm-hmm. I have a lot of that in certain areas that have given me the ability to be a subject matter expert, say jujitsu or, you know, a uh, website stuff, stuff called convergent rate optimization. Cause I don't have any formal training in it. Then there's the other side of it where it's only formal training, mm-hmm. right? You have a PhD or a master's or even a bachelor's degree in a certain area of study. And you, you maybe even get it a little more granular. I think the best is where you have a, uh, a good amount of both, mm-hmm. you know, formal training and the real world experience where the, uh, the formal, you, you could see these theory, these theories from university, do they really apply when it comes down to real world stuff and vice versa. And I think the other thing too is finding subjects that you, you enjoy and that taking a deep dive and, and wanting to become an expert for yourself, right? So you can't become a subject matter expert for other people, unless you decided that this is something that you want to master for you. That's the way I look at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, the most important thing. Like, if you might see, be like, oh, I want to I learn computer coding. But if you're not completely into computer coding, you're never going to master it. You're never going to be able to be an expert at it, you know? But with me, there was nothing that ever got my attention like jujitsu did. So it's the only thing I've sort of, like, been able to, like, stick with for my whole life. And that's like all I've been studying since I was fifteen, you know. There's been a lot a lot of other things that've caught my attention, but the only thing that's like ever sort of like kept me obsessed with it has been jujitsu and martial arts in general. Um so like you said, you gotta you have to train it, you know, you have to find a school and start training to learn. <laughs> but outside of that, if you want to become an expert, you need to study. Like I study pretty much almost all the information I take into my head is uh, somehow related to martial arts or fighting, you know? Um, I watch videos, I read books. Even if I'm, like, I I got a book. Um, it's like the Chinese weightlifting team's, like, manual for training. Okay. And I didn't really care about Olympic weightlifting too much. But what I was interested in was their, like, sort of system and philosophy of training.
1: Coaching techniques?
0: Yeah, stuff like that. So they have, like, a whole, like, they're so their weightlifting book goes through like mental preparation for competition, mental preparation for workouts. Um, they, they structure their training around like a philosophy and like, it's like five principles. It's like, it's very interesting. So I got that book to sort of see how I could apply that to
1: pull it into the culture of what what you're, how 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 to, you know,
0: yeah, same thing. Like how to use that to coach martial artists instead of weightlifters, you know? Um, same thing with like a, I've got a bunch of books from West Side Barbell because he's another guy that has like a system of training that he uses and trying to figure out ways to apply like you know what he would apply for a powerlifter or a weightlifter or something right and applying those principles or concepts to right so you,
1: you're not just miming what they're doing you're because you're, this is what people fail to realize is just because you have access to information doesn't mean that you have insight into what Mm -hmm. this information is, right? right? Because everybody has access to all this information. That's the beautiful part is like, if I want to understand photography, I have access to it. It's the difference between Devin and I is he has the same access, but now he has all the insight that I don't have. He knows everything that goes into it, but also the real, the real world experiences to make sure that this, this is going to look the way it, it needs to look so which
2: just to chime in real quick it seems like an expert at something still has a limited amount of understanding and what i mean by that is you might know 90 percent. you know what i'm saying um a lot of it is the time that you put in because i know a lot of photographers that went to school i never went to school they know every single thing inside the camera they understand everything i'm self-taught They cannot figure out how to make a picture come out the way mine is because it's almost like a person that doesn't know how to read music, but they could play anything Mm -hmm. by ear. I walk in a room, I can tell what I need to put the camera on by just the way the light looks off a field. Right, Right. but it was much later on that I even understood what the f-stop was and all of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I I only needed to learn that so that I could be able to teach it to somebody else.
1: So that's there's an actual technical term for for that. It's called a self-organized learning experience. Mm. So that you taught yourself in a way that you needed to teach yourself because there were problems and roadblocks that would come up. Like, all right, well, how do I deal with this? And then you figured it out. And then you move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing where you were problem-solving the whole way. So it's soul, self-organized learning experience.
0: Yeah. um, And you can see that with there's guys that are, you know, there's a sort of like a idea that you want to learn from a world champion or something a lot of times world champions guys that are you know at the top right now they might not be able to teach it what they can do like because they're like you said they they figured out how to do things a certain way but they haven't figured out the deep understanding of it like how how are you actually doing it
2: I could see where like that guy would might happen just be right like now.
0: oh you just take your arm and you grab it around his neck and throw him to the ground right and you're like yeah but I can't do that." Well, grab- you ever see
1: like bj penn coach people he's like just well, just do that i'm like hey, it's not that simple
0: just put your leg behind yeah, your head yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i recommend for this the question about study materials for jiu um i like to watch competition to i find little moments in competitions where that make the difference i like to do that and then like focus on like what it is that made the move work in right. the competition and then sometimes you can find that in instructional, but a lot of times instructional the guy just kind of demonstrates the moves. Right. Um it doesn't necessarily give you the the little details and if you watch stuff on Insta Instagram I think is one of the worst for um learning techniques because it's so quick and uh people a lot of times are demonstrating moves that they want to look cool rather than be effective. So that's why I think it's better to watch something in competition and try to break it down on your own which I guess you have to do like you have to be a little bit more experienced to be able to do that but
2: um, right like I for, think
0: watching competition is one of the most valuable tools and it, but it can be boring because some matches are boring and only one thing happens but learning how to do that one thing might make a huge difference in your entire overall game
1: now agreed and and I think the the other thing that people need to take is that if you've gotten to a certain level. In jujitsu, Muay Thai, <clears throat> pardon me, Muay Thai martial arts, you're working on becoming a subject matter expert in that martial art. Should be. Should be, right? And that's a, a confidence level that you could take into other areas, mm-hmm. right? You don't get the black belt overnight, much like you don't become a subject matter expert overnight. So as long as you're patient and you continue your course of study in whatever it happens to be, and you're looking at it in the long haul, you'll become the highest level of subject matter expert that you can become based on your natural skill set and and work ethic. So there there's the other thing is that a subject matter expert, I think it it's a it's a sliding scale. Right? It's like being a blue belt. Well, yeah, you can be a subject matter expert as a blue belt, but your your subject and the matter only goes but so far.
0: More interesting question is how would you define a subject matter expert? Yeah, right? There's somebody that can What makes somebody an expert? So I
1: I feel like when I'm teaching it's being able to show somebody a nuance of a technique Mm -hmm. that they didn't, it never had crossed their mind that this might be the the linchpin of this whole technique. Mm -hmm. They're looking at it and they're actually really good at jujitsu and they're like, Jesus Christ, I didn't realize that that's, that's the thing. Right. And somebody being able to point that out to you, it would be a good example of how to search out and seek if they're a true subject matter expert.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, similar Trying to, being able to take like a very complex move and get somebody to understand it. You know, finding, like you said, the linchpin. Linchpin. What is a linchpin? It is a pin that lynches. Okay. Um, so finding that, like, uh, I think I've used it before, the example of, like, a barren looks, like, a extremely complicated. And I've had people, like, ask me, like, how to do it. And i've been like it's very easy a lot of the the crazy fancy moves are very easy as long as you understand just like the one part that makes it all happen and it's like for me when i learned it i used to see it I'd be like that's a stupid move like right. I'm, ne- I'm never gonna do it now it's like one of my favorite techniques to use and it's super effective as long as all you have to do is like you get the guy to fall to his hip and then after that it's almost effortless once you if you can move your body in a certain way which almost everybody can that does jujitsu unless you have like extreme physical disabilities or something like a giant gut that's hindering you from being able to crunch your body up a little bit almost anybody can do those moves so i've had several people like ask about how to do that move and then once they they see it they see how easy it is it's like oh wow and then it becomes part of their game you know i think that's a, a huge part is like you said finding the the tiny nuance that makes a very seemingly complicated technique work um that's how i would define an expert
1: i agree with you agreeing with me Agreed. I think it's the best thing you've done all day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, part three of the question. So how do you determine what you will teach to a mixed level slash advanced group? To be specific, I haven't had the chance to experience. Okay, let me read that again. I haven't had the chance to experience how Professor Carpenter structures his instruction, but I have learned from Professor Perrazzo. His deep dive system of teaching has been invaluable to me. But how does an instructor determine what techniques or system to focus on? Thank you for sharing your knowledge skill with us. Your student,
0: Anonymous. I don't think I've ever met Anonymous. I have I think what I days know does who does he train.
1: I, I don't know. I think I know who he is, but I'll leave that alone since he wants to be anonymous. Go on. Um, Carpenter system of how he chooses what what's the, the
0: deep dive system?
1: So I uh, there's I posted a meme one time where it said it's better to drill a hole hundred feet deep than 10, 10 foot um, deep holes, right? So meaning that I will take anywhere from two to three months and focus on a very small area of jujitsu. We'll use what we're doing right now is uh, the underhook lapel, Mm -hmm. right? In every single class, we're going through uh, the progression and the regression and the extensions of the underhook lapel from closed guard they're standing. They're going from there, and that's all I'm doing, right? So every single uh, mixed level gi class, and now when we're looking at our no gi class, we're going. Everything is based on a leg attack. We started off with footlock, toe hold, knee bar. Now we're into heel hook. So every single instructional class will revolve around that for a a, a period of time. So when we're talking deep dive, taking a a, a small set of moves mm-hmm. and really getting uh, really deep with them.
0: Yeah, I, I I guess it's similar. I do more based around um, positions. So last, so we've been doing like op- opponents turtled up. So we did actually a few months ago. We started with chokes from the back. Then we moved to taking the back from turtle, and now we're doing front headlock from turtle. And then we're gonna do. <clears throat> front headlock and the guy grabs like a head on the inside single so, so you're,
1: you're working backwards sort of from like the offense. working backwards yeah. yeah
0: um so we started with just how to finish the chokes and how to set up the chokes and then but it the, goes the into beauty, like how to get there
1: the beauty in that is uh our lord and Savior john Donahue once said if you if you could teach a guy to finish he'll figure out how to get there
0: right, right? like so starting yeah, with the finish you, is you a great fit, way you, and that's there's um paths you can take to jiu but you don't want to give somebody just a single path like this is how it has to be done you have to get to the arm bar by going like this because right. you can get to the arm bar from an infinite number of positions but giving like an overall feel of like what you should be looking for here and i tried like last week we were doing um guillotines and then sort of head and arm chokes from right. the front headlock but like once you understand like how to get your arm around the neck and how to compress the head and arm together you can figure out a bunch of different ways and where to catch them from different positions.
1: Right. Know? So with the when we take our deep dive, so I give them a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, okay, this is how I want you to get from this to this to this to mm-hmm. this. But the second part of the of the roadmap is now try and do it, mm-hmm. but then also see where it goes wrong. Else, yeah, what and, and, and what else happens yeah. and and where does it go where does it go right for you so that you start, I'm I'm giving you a set amount of pieces, but you need to figure out the rest. Right. right. And I think people can thrive under a system like that where they're like, all right, I've really got these six or seven things and now I don't have to figure that part of it out. I only have to figure these other other aspects of it out.
0: Yeah. And that's so there's another thing that I took from um reading the books on like weightlifting and stuff like that was some of them had uh not everybody's the same, so not everybody needs to do the exact same exercises on the same day. So having like an overall, everybody can work on the front headlock. And so like last week we were doing, like I did guillotines and head and arm chokes. I told people, I was like, if you're a guy with long arms, guillotines might be ideal for you. If you have shorter arms, you might have a harder time connecting certain grips and getting your arms around people's necks, but you can almost always control somebody's head and arm, even if you have short arms. Or like vice versa, like going against somebody with, long skinny arms are going against a really burly guy. Like it can be hard to get your arm around the neck of somebody that barely has a neck and huge shoulders and traps. But those guys, if you can press their head and shoulder together, they get, they can start being choked without hardly any, any strength because their muscles choke themselves. So, um, understanding that everybody has a little bit different thing to, uh, focus on and being able to just sort of plug and play. Like, um, The technique, if I have somebody teach tomorrow, I say, all right, we're working front headlock stuff. So these are your options. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I did this. You need to do this. It's like, show something from the front headlock. And then we do our live rounds. You have them start in the front headlock and have them work for it. Right. You know? So just being able to sort of plug things in and not having just a a rigid structure. And this is for a mixed level class, not so much a.
1: Yeah. I think in a beginner class, a fundamentals class needs to be very rigid. Much more rigid. Yeah.
0: Um, for mixed level and advanced, you need to sort of open things up for them so they can...
1: Because that rigidity allows you to be much more open and mixed level, right? Because right. you trust that they have the, the basics understood that mm-hmm. they can do these complicated movements and right. see where they progress or, or fail.
0: Yeah. So I do a deep dive as well. But I do a... Maybe a less deep dive. I don't spend... I won't spend three months on one thing. I'll spend maybe a month on a position and the options around that position. So now I've extended
1: the the time frame with it because before we were like 85% Gi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we would spend less time on it, but we can, we, we were more concentrated. So now it's from an instructional standpoint, it's 50, 50 Gi, no Gi. Mm-hmm. So I'm spending more time on each side of the deep dive because if you're coming to one or the other, uh, you're getting different – if you're coming to gi and no gi classes, you're not getting the same stuff over and over again.
0: Right. Yeah, you I mean, like, so I'm doing front headlock and turtle stuff, so it changes a lot when there's a gi on. Right. You know.
1: But what I have seen is because we're doing a lot of leg lock stuff, I'm seeing the guys, especially in the gi, getting into a lot of their leg lock positions, mm-hmm. which is which is great. I'm seeing a good, good amount of crossover. The lapel stuff, it's kind of tough to do because there's no lapel and no gi. It so. doesn't really
0: cross over. Yeah, well.
1: that that part doesn't cross over. So. Man. Talk about ill-prepared, but I feel like this show has been a great success today. It was great. Yeah, I spit, I spit water on the floor. <laughs> we, got, clean, we got some. clean it up. I, well, I'm not going to clean it up mid-show. I show's probably over. should. Well, I'm going to clean it up now. I'm going to get some paper towels and clean it up. Remember, Ninja Rob seminar next week, the 17th, 1030 a.m. to noon, noon to whenever rolling. Tim will be bringing treats.
0: What am I bringing?
1: You know what you're bringing. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: We, do we have to get them from the same place?
1: Well, or should they be from? No, we got we've been We got to get them from the same place, okay. bro. Okay. All right. Please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our podcast. Yeah, I don't know what was that. What does that mean? What? We got to wrap it up. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Peace. <laughs> Tim and I would like to thank our sound engineer and studio owner, Devin Wade, for always doing a great job with with the sound, but also the beautiful facility that we get to use here at SFX Studios. We'd also like to thank Eddie Lynn, who takes and donates his time to the podcast to do all the um, the video editing and everything you see on our social media. So really appreciate that from Eddie Lynn. And we'd also like to thank our friend Ralphie Darden, aka DJ Major Taylor, who gave us uh, the original music that we use. So uh,
0: you're welcome, Tim. For and almost it. just as importantly as everybody else that he mentioned, we would like to thank all of our listeners that submitted questions. This is the Ninja Rob podcast with marco brazzo and tim carpenter the podcast for the true martial artist